This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Hello everyone and welcome to the Slash Film Show. Today is Thursday, August 31st, 2023. On today's episode, we are going to gather around the virtual water cooler and talk a little bit about what we've been up to. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film Editor and Chief Film Critic, Chris Evangelista. Hello. Chris, it's good to have you on the podcast. It's been a little while since we've talked here. Uh, so I, I, before we dive into the water cooler, I wanted to w- mention one big news story that broke earlier this morning, and that is that uh, Taylor Swift's Eras Tour is coming to movie theaters with an official concert film. And uh, I think the tickets are going to cost around $20, and the runtime for this thing is like two hours and 45 minutes. And I believe it was filmed during the first streak of the, um, I think she had like a six night uh, stretch in Los Angeles earlier in the year. And uh, yeah, this seems like it's going to be a very, very big deal. I just went on to the AMC. I tried to go on the AMC app earlier uh, today, like right after this was announced. And um, it basically like gave me a wait time to even access the app, like not even to buy a ticket for this particular movie, but just, just to access the app at all. <laughs> uh, it was like, you have to wait three minutes or whatever. Um so I think that's the that's the power of uh, of the Swifties out there, um, Chris. Uh, what what are your thoughts on Taylor Swift, and are you interested in seeing this concert film at all? You know, uh, if it if it's streamed somewhere, I will watch. I'm not going to go to the theater for this, but I I like some Taylor Swift songs. I'm not like I don't think I would call myself a Swiftie. I don't like know all of her songs, but the songs I've heard, I've been like these are pretty good songs. I think I think. That young lady is going places. Let me tell you, she's she's a talented young woman. She's she's gonna make it big one day. I know it. <laughs> yeah, I'm very much in the same uh, camp. And I was I was thinking like, oh man, this this will be cool. I'll be able to use my AMC A list and go see this. You know, see what everybody's been talking about because like, it seems like everyone that I know in Los Angeles went to the or really in several places around the country went to the Eras tour, and I you know, not being like a, a diehard Taylor Swift fan did not do that. And I was like, Oh yeah, I'll use AMC a list. And then I found in the, in the fine print that, uh, a list, um, you know, basically it's not covered. It doesn't apply to this movie. It's a special thing. Um, and because the ticket prices are like around $20, I'm very curious, like what Taylor Swift's deal is on this, like how much money she's going to get from this, because she is such a smart businesswoman and, and, um, you know, I, I, if I were her, if I were her representation team and all that kind of stuff, I would definitely be like, you know, working it as much as possible in Taylor's favor in terms of 
how much money, like what percentage and back end points and all that kind of stuff. Cause this already seems like a very big deal. Right before we started recording, I, I was able to get onto the AMC app and I just looked at the first available screening of, of this movie that's available on October 13th when it, when uh, it, it comes to theaters. And there were two uh, seats left in my wow. relatively small town in, <laughs> in, in Florida and in Northeast Florida. So uh, yeah, I was kind of shocked to see that. So I'm guessing this is going to be like a, a pretty big deal and it makes a lot of sense because ticket prices to see her in person are hundreds of dollars and uh, it's much cheaper and, and it seems like it'll be a really cool experience. The trailer looks great. So um, yeah, there we go. Taylor Swift's Eras Tours coming to movie theaters near you. Uh, okay, so let's dive into the water cooler here. What we've been doing. I, we haven't really been doing much. I read Cinema Speculation, the book by Quentin Tarantino. And I remember you talking about this, Chris. Um, I think you, you did you get like an early review copy of it right before it came out? Uh, yeah, I did. Okay, so I enjoyed this book quite a bit. It's It's kind of a mixture of film criticism and like personal essays and his own memories. And yeah, it's sort of like this weird amalgamation of like all things Tarantino. And you can kind of, I mean, it's, it's striking how much you read it in his actual voice. Maybe I've just seen too many interviews with him, but like his voice just jumps off the page. That guy, I'll tell you what, he's a great writer. Uh, <laughs> he's what won what two, two Oscars or whatever for yeah. screenwriting at this point. Um, but yeah, it's it's a good mix of like uh, movies that I didn't really know much about, like uh, Rolling Thunder and uh, Brian De Palma's Sisters. He has like entries on on these movies, so that it it sort of encouraged me to go seek those things out. Um, I would say if you're not like a listener to this podcast or like a diehard movie fan, you're probably going to be left in the dark for a lot of it because he he makes a lot of obscure references to different movies. And if you're not like a why, you know, if you just are kind of like bouncing along and you like watching movies here and there and you have not done like a, a deep dive into the films of the seventies and eighties and nineties, like th- there's going to be a lot of stuff that goes over your head. But um, I-, I found this to be an enjoyable experience. L- looking back on this, Chris, what do you remember fondly or otherwise about cinema speculation? Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I, what I liked most about it is that it, it turned me on to things I hadn't seen or things I hadn't, I'd known about and hadn't gotten around to seeing and it made me want to seek out new things. Uh, and it's just a really solid book. Even when I'm not agreeing, like there are, there are things where he'll point things out and I'll be like, no, you're completely wrong. Yeah. But I'm still like enjoying the book. I'm not like, what an idiot. I'm just like, yeah, that's his opinion. Quentin Tarantino has very hot takes and I kind of like that he, he, you know, isn't afraid to, to get, get silly with his, his opinions. You know, he has his opinions and he likes what he likes and he dislikes what he likes. And even if I don't agree with it, I like reading, uh, his, you know, what he has to say. Yeah. It, it makes me excited for the future of what his career is going to be after he's done making movies. Cause he said so much like that he's going to, uh, try to publish more criticism and, um, you know, write plays and direct theater and do all kinds of stuff. But like, yeah, just the idea of like, you know, getting a new Tarantino book every few years or something about the world of movies is an exciting prospect to me. Um, oh, th- there's one other aspect of this that I wanted to talk about. Like, I thought he did this really interesting thing. That I think that the chapter in the book is also called Cinema Speculation. And he, he goes into this what if scenario of what if Brian De Palma was the one who directed Taxi Driver instead of Martin Scorsese. Yeah. And it was just a really cool, um, yeah, like a, like a branch reality kind of alternate reality take of, of what, 
what might have happened with the same uh, script and just like looking at um, De Palma's, um, I don't know what you would call them, uh, obsessions as a filmmaker and, and his particular style and trying to apply that to the the um, the text of Taxi Driver was just a really interesting like uh, experimentation type of thing that I thought was a cool thing. You know, we kind of write movie trivia stories about that kind of stuff at Slash Film all the time of like, oh, this person was almost in this or whatever. But it was just cool to hear Tarantino's take on something like that. So I'd recommend the book if you're interested in checking it out. It's called Cinema Speculation. Um, all right, let's get into what we've been watching. Uh, actually, before we do that, let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Okay, Chris, what we've been watching, what have you been watching recently? So I watched the the three part series on HBO. Or I guess it's, it's Max. I'm sorry. I will never get over not calling it HBO Max. <laughs> but uh, it's it's an original series called Telemarketers, and uh, this was actually executive produced by the Safdie brothers. And it kind of feels like a real life version. Where it's not as stressful as their movies, but it has that sort of like grungy working class you know, a schlubby vibe to it, or it's got that, you know, if it, or it's like, um, it's like a less anxious version of a good time, I guess you could say. So it's, it's about, as the title suggests, it's about telemarketers. It's about these two guys, uh, who used to work for this telemarketing company in New Jersey. And, uh, you know, they worked there when they were young and now years later, they they look back on it and they're like, we were basically like scamming people out of their money because, uh, the, the way it would work is they would call up basically elderly people and they would say, oh, we're calling on behalf of the police. And they would even lie and say like they actually were police officers, even though they weren't. And the whole thing would be like, oh, our police need your donations. Would you do? And old people are more inclined to be like, yes, I'll give my money to the police. The police are great. You know, unlike <laughs> unlike normal young people who would be like, absolutely not. I'm not giving money to the police. So uh, but and what happens is these guys, they don't really have any filmmaking skill at all. And they're just like, what if we made a documentary about us working at, and so it's, it's like raw, gritty, very funny, kind of, kind of depressing look at what it was like to work at this company and what this company did and how they, they scam people out of money. And it was just fascinating. It's only three parts, so it doesn't overstay its welcome. Although I kind of feel like you could have just made like one, solid documentary out of it but everything has to be a series these days but i i enjoyed watching it um it's it didn't make me feel great like when it was over it was just like well that kind of sucks to, that that this happened but um uh it's 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 uh, just an interesting slice of life sort of documentary about these guys and what they did and why they did what they did and uh, you, you kind of grow to really like these guys, even though they are, for for lack of a better term, kind of dirtbags, I guess you would call mm -hmm. them. But you kind of the, the two guys at the center of it are, are just very likable in in how they behave and how they approach the story. So, telemarketers now streaming. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I watched the trailer for this, and I could not decide whether it was something that I would be into or whether it would just be kind of that like lack of professionalism and and the um you know that the rawness of the footage that you mentioned is very much on display in the trailers and i was kind of yeah. like i don't know if i can sit through something that looks this bad <laughs> you know even though the story may be interesting but it's i'm i'm happy to hear that you enjoyed it and maybe that will convince me to actually check this out yeah uh, okay, what else have you been watching? So I recently got a second job, not because I want to, but because I have to, because uh, 
money is tight these days, Ben, and I need to make money. So uh, <laughs> as a result, uh, the, the second job is very early in the morning. I get up at, at 4 a.m. to go work at UPS for three to four hours. Uh, and then I come home and I go to work at SlashFilm.com. So I'm working two jobs. Uh, it's a lot of hours, and as a result, I'm I'm very very tired. I hope I hope I get used to this because I don't want to feel this tired all the time. Because oh my god, it's awful. But as a result, I find myself less wanting to watch things that I know are good and engaging, and I just want to watch crap. So I've been seeking out shows that I know are just junk, and I've been enjoying them. And these are two shows in particular that are really like trashy they be they're like airport paperbacks in tv show form so okay. one of them is called harlan coben shelter and this is on amazon prime and uh this is an ongoing series so i've only seen four episodes and they drop new episodes every week and uh, i i hesitate to call this show good but boy is it watchable uh it's about this young man uh his his father is killed in a car accident and his mother is in the hospital and so he goes to live with his aunt in this small town and he slowly gets mixed up in this mystery. Like on his first day of school, he meets this girl and then the ne- and she's like, oh, I'm a new kid too. We should go meet after school. And he's like, okay. And then she stands him up and he, he goes to her house and the woman who lives there is like, I don't have a daughter. And so this woman, this girl like completely vanishes into thin air. And then- <laughs> Uh, it, like little by little, every single character in this show has like a deep, dark secret. And every episode, there's like a huge twist that's like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. And it's so, it, for lack of a better word, it's kind of lazy the way that it's like, oh, here's another twist and here's another twist. It's it's like really cheap sheet, cheap seat entertainment, but man, is it is it watchable? Um, I mean, I gotta say, Chris, you're kind of selling me on it. <laughs> I, I recommend it, and and you you do not have to, and, and I hate to use the term "turn your brain off," but you really do not have to think too hard watching this show. You can basically just sit back, veg out, and watch this stupid show where there's a, there's a twist every five minutes, and uh, it's it's it, it's based on a book. I haven't read I haven't read any of the books by Harlan Coben. He's one of those authors who's got like a million books, and I'm sure they all make lots of money. I'm sure he doesn't have to work two jobs. He's not getting up <laughs> to go to UPS at four in the morning. But uh, so yeah, Harlan Coben Shelter is is streaming on HBO on HBO on on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other show is Who Is Aaron Carter, which is streaming on Netflix. And just like Shelter, it's another show where there's like a twist every few minutes. It's very lazy sort of, sort of entertainment. Uh, this is about this woman who um, she's from England, but she moves to Barcelona with her daughter. And uh, one day she and her daughter are in a supermarket and uh, a bunch of robbers come in and stick the place up. And this woman who's, she's a teacher and you know, everyone's like, Oh, she's a unassuming teacher. And she single-handedly like, kicks the shit out of the bank rot the banker the supermarket robbers and kills one of them and everyone's like wow we didn't know this woman had it in her and of course it unlocks her deep dark secrets and we have to you know it's all about why she fled to barcelona to begin with and again it's another show where every character has a, a deep dark secret and there's a twist in every episode and there's a t- and again it's it's you don't have to think too hard and I hate being like this, Ben. It pains me to be in this this position where I have to watch stuff where I don't have to think too hard. But that's where I am. I've only been working at UPS for two weeks. So I'm hoping after a few weeks, I'm going to get 
more acclimated to living like this, or maybe I will. Maybe I will just become a zombie and <laughs> die a slow, painful death. But uh, <laughs> for now, this is where I am. I'm working two jobs and I'm watching junk. And if you're in the mood for some junk food entertainment, I really can't recommend uh, Shelter and Who is Aaron Carter enough. They're, they they scratch the, the junk food entertainment itch. So when you're describing who is Aaron Carter, I was briefly reminded of um, The Long Kiss Goodnight, which was written by Shane Black. It's the movie that stars Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, Does it kind of have those vibes or is it just kind of like a vaguely similar topic and it's not really like that? No, it's not really like that. You know, Long Kiss Goodnight is very good, whereas this is not very good. (laughs) Uh, This is more like, um, I would say, A History of Violence, the David Cronenberg movie. It's not as good as that either, but it's that similar setup where this person has a, a dark secret they've been trying to hide from and it, and, and you know, an act of violence suddenly uh, brings it to the light. And now they're they're uh, They have to fight for their lives. Gotcha. Okay, cool. All right. So Harlan Coben's shelter and who is Aaron Carter? Um, I got a chance to see bottoms, the new movie from a director, Emma Seligman. It's co-written by Seligman and Rachel Sennett, who stars in this movie with AOA to uh, I talked a little bit about it with Ryan on an earlier episode this week about how it was performing box office wise, but I really, really enjoyed this movie. Super funny. Um, it's basically like two high school senior girls set up this their own version of a fight club in order to uh, hook up with cheerleaders basically um, and sort of lose their virginity. And it's that, it's that same uh, we have to lose our virginity before we graduate concept that has been in a million different, you know, coming of age or, or teen comedies. Um, and this one has just a, yeah, a fun extra twist to it. Uh, and there's an absurdism going on here that I really, really appreciate. There's like some, you know, how like in uh in Anchorman, there's that moment when during the big fight where like somebody just has a trident and just yeah. throws it. <laughs> there's a moment in Bottoms that kind of reminds me of that. And like, it's never explained. Nobody ever comments on it, really. Um, even Anchorman commented on it. Like, you know, they, they do that sort of like post-fight breakdown almost. Um, and this movie just like doesn't, it just moves on to the next thing. And I, I really appreciated that about it. I love this movie's sense of humor. Um, and Rachel Sennett and, uh, and Ao Itabiri are just like, a wonderful um, duo to lead movies. I definitely want to see more stuff with them in it. I, I did not see uh, Emma Seligman's previous movie, Shiva Baby. Did you see that movie by any chance, Chris? I haven't seen it because everyone was like, this movie made me feel very anxious. And I was like, I'm not in the mood to see that. Mm. But mm-hmm. I really do want to see Bottoms. I, I, everything I read about it makes it sound really good and if i weren't so sleepy all the time i would go out and see it (laughs) yeah uh, i would definitely recommend it i think you'll you'll like it a lot chris there's some there's some really really funny stuff in there um gran turismo i also saw the new movie from neil blomkamp a director i do not like uh but and and i was like kind of thinking okay what what is this movie going to be uh the trailer look made it look very right down the middle and it is kind of a right down the middle movie in in a lot of ways um but i think like brad said when he talked about the, this movie recently david harbour is the the element that sort of elevates this above the uh you know the exact average line of, of where you think it might be um harbour is just really uh entertaining to watch and um i think the racing stuff in this is actually pretty competently filmed pretty well done pretty uh exciting and entertaining when when the movie actually settles into the racing components of it. Um, 
I would encourage people to listen to the film cast's review of this because they they get into this a lot more. But like, it's kind of ridiculous in terms of the the video game aspect and how little the movie seems to care about uh, the 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 concept behind Gran Turismo. So Gran Turismo is a, a racing simulator. It's a game that's been around for what feels like twenty years at this point, um, and it's it's uh, it was heralded for its accuracy, like how it feels like how much it feels like you're actually sitting in a car and like driving on a, a real track and, and all that kind of stuff. And like, I tried to play the game when I was 15 or something and just gave up instantly because it's more about like, I think I saw somebody say that it's more about like uh, picking the spark plug that goes in your car than it is about actually <laughs> racing or something. It's, it's like that level of detail that goes into this thing. And I, I just wanted like a more arcade style, like slam down the accelerator and, you know, try yeah. to bump people off the track kind of game. Uh, and that is not what Gran Turismo is. But the concept behind this movie, in case you don't know, is that it's about it's based on a real life story of a, a player who was very, very good at this game, who uh, won the I think they called it the the. Uh, GT Academy, which is this um, worldwide search that they had set up to recruit the best players of this game and then actually turn them into real life racers. Um, the the real life component of this, uh, they play real fast and loose with that. There's a lot of, I think we published a couple things on Slash Film about like the real, here's the real story versus what they did in the uh, the movie. Most of that stuff does not really bother me. There is a moment in this movie where uh, the main character, and I'm going to spoil a little bit of Gran Turismo here. So if you, oh, no. if you are you have like, you know, dying to see this and don't want to know a single thing about it, just fast forward for a little bit. But there's a moment in this movie where the main character actually kills someone accidentally because he gets involved in an accident on the on the track and like the car flips off of the track and goes into the crowd and kills a spectator. And you don't really see... You never learn the spectator's name. You don't hear from their family. You don't really see that actually happen, but you do see the aftermath of it. And you see uh, him, the, the the racer, the main character of this movie, learn that information. And it's kind of used in this way to like inspire him as like a as like a um, an emotional obstacle for him to overcome instead of uh, I don't know treating it with like a little bit more seriousness. Um, so I don't know that that part of the movie kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. And then reading about the real life situation where like that event didn't actually happen at the, the point uh, in his career where this movie says it happened. And that just makes it feel like the screenwriters used that moment as a, a kind of a typical rise and fall emotional uh, plot beat kind of thing. And just like slotted in this real life, horrific real life event as a way to give the character something to overcome late in the story. Uh, all of that just kind of, yeah, was like a, a, an odd choice and I didn't really love that. But overall, I think the movie is um, is a fairly entertaining, pretty run of the mill, but uh, but still, you know, has some some cool uh, yeah. racing scenes and, and like some visceral thrills here and there. So that's better. Gran Turismo. Is it better than Chappie? It is, it is better than Chappie. Um, Chappie. The, the only reason I hesitated is because Chappie is like so weird and so singular that um, that maybe you would give it points for originality over Gran Turismo, which is so run of the mill that it's kind of boring at times because you can kind of just like 
fill in the gaps. And and I think filling in the gaps is something that you could never really do with Chappie because like, the the supporting characters, especially in that movie, are just like so psychotic. They have yeah. no idea what's going to happen at any moment. So, uh, but yeah, overall, I would say I, I enjoyed it more than Chappie, certainly. Um, so speaking of like psychotic things and, and bizarre movies that you can't really predict what's going to happen, I watched this movie called Ega, uh, which is a 2012 film directed by S.S. Rajamouli, who's the guy who directed RRR. Um, Chris, have you ever seen this movie? Did did in the in the post RRR period, did you go back into Rajamouli's filmography at all? No, I wish I had, but I I hadn't even heard of this. Okay, so this is the movie, and and it got I think it it got obviously it got a bump after RRR because uh, that movie put. Rajamouli on the radars of people like me and a lot of American audiences who had never heard of him and his work before. But this movie, Ega, is streaming on Netflix right now. And the premise is it's about this uh, this guy who is really into this girl. And uh, there is a sort of comically evil businessman who is also this handsome womanizer who also gets his eye on on this the same girl. And uh, the protagonist, whose name is Nani, um, you know, is just this, uh, this sort of like handsome, relatively boring dude and this billionaire, or maybe he's not a billionaire, but he's, he's, uh, stylized almost as like this mega rich, uh, business guy is so pissed that this woman is interested in Nani that he actually kills Nani. He just goes straight to that level. He just, he just goes straight to an 11 on the on the dial and kills Nani to get him out of the picture uh, so he can you know try to seduce this woman. And Nani is reincarnated as a fly uh, and spends the entire rest of the movie trying to make this guy's life a living hell. So it's uh, the, um, as you would expect, this movie features a ton of <laughs> computer generated stuff because a fly is basically the main character for most of the movie. And it looks kind of like, I don't know, like a PlayStation three level nice. uh, graphics. So it's, it's not great, but I have to say over the course of watching this movie, you kind of like the uh, whatever qualms I had with the, the aesthetic kind of fall away because I was just won over by the goofiness and, and sincerity of this movie, um, which is just a lot of fun. And like I said, it came out in 2012, so it's over 10 years old now, but yeah, it, it's, uh, it's kind of hilarious. And the things that happen in this are just like unbelievable and um, in like a really, really fun way. There's a, a montage sequence where the fly uh, basically does like a Rocky-esque training thing where he's like lifting <laughs> weights and trying to um, basically just like uh, implement this multi-step process and, and plan to drive the villain totally nuts. And um, I think one of the things that this movie does really well is that it sort of uh, underlines how no matter how rich you are, no matter you know if you live in a bigger house than anybody else, or you have uh, a, an army like a mini army of of gangsters around you, uh, sometimes you know th there are things in life that that are like great equalizers and like flies buzzing in your ear and and messing with you. It's something that every person can relate to, and uh, it's totally easy to see how this one fly, if it singles in and makes it, you know, it has this like single-minded mission uh, to drive a person insane. It's very easy to see how something like that can actually happen, even though obviously this movie is totally ludicrous. and <laughs> It's not really pre presenting anything that, um, that is supposed to be taken as real at any moment. But uh, yeah, Ega, it's a really, really, really fun movie. Um, it's, it's very goofy, uh, but I had a ton of fun watching it. So that is on Netflix. If you want to check that out. 
And then the last thing that I wanted to mention here is I had a chance to watch The Underground Railroad, which is streaming on Prime Video. This is the 10-episode series that was, I believe, co-written or definitely directed by Barry Jenkins. He was the one who was like the, the show showrunner creator of the show. He directed every single episode. I think he co-wrote several of them. Um, Chris, have you have a chance to watch the show? Man, I am embarrassed that I haven't, and I really want to because I remember when the, all the trailers came out, they looked just like gorgeous. And I was just like, Jesus Christ, this is going to be amazing. And then I just never got around to watching it. And now I'm, all, I'm, a, I'm a sleepy boy, so I don't know when I'm going to watch <laughs> it, but I really want to. Yeah, it's, um, you know, th- that gorgeous visual palette that you see in the trailers, like that is the show. There's so much of the show that is just like breathtakingly beautiful to uh, to behold. And it, it kind of is, um, it's one of those shows that's like hard to believe that it exists as you're watching it because it's so uh, lush and like, it looks so expensive. Like it, it's this obviously a, a period story. Uh, it's based on the, the Colson Whitehead novel. And um, it is the the basic story is that it's uh, it's about slavery in the United States and the Underground Railroad, this this network of ab- abolitionists and uh, people who created safe houses to help slaves escape from the South up into the North. In real life, in this story, uh, the Underground Railroad is a literal thing. Like there is actually a train that that you know people can jump on underground and it will take them uh, across the country. So. Um, it's about this one escaped woman who uh, who it just tracks her, and then uh, Joel Edgerton plays this slave catcher who is out to uh, to catch her. Um, and it's, I mean, yeah, just some of the the imagery here is like truly unbelievable to watch. And and just thinking about how much money Amazon pumped into this thing because uh, the, the costumes are all just incredible. The um, the production design, like it seems like they built multiple towns outside and it's it this is like the opposite of shooting on the volume you know the, the, everything is tactile you feel it it's that it has that barry jenkins uh level of like baseline quality to it that you expect from him um i will say 10 episodes of this is a lot uh especially because the subject matter is so bleak um there's some imagery in here while it's really you know there's some really beautiful stuff there's also like especially one um actually several scenes that are just so uh, tough to stomach that it, it kind of, um, I mean, that's the point of, of what he's trying to do here and, and really trying to underline the, the, um, the depravity and the, the true part of, of what actually happened here. That stuff is, is pretty tough to watch, pretty tough to handle, but, uh, God, it's such a, a beautiful looking show. And the score, I think Nicholas Bertel did the score. Who's, he's a longtime collaborator of, of Barry Jenkins. And that is wonderful too. Uh, Thuso Mbedu is the star of this. And she was in The Woman King not too long ago. And she's really, really good. Um, uh, William Jackson Harper shows up late in the series. He's great. Um, so the cast is really good. And, and there are so many things to recommend about this movie. But yeah, it's, it's sort of a bleak uh, story. And th- there's definitely some like, really, really dark turns that the story takes. Um, I will say that the ninth episode is like one of the best episodes of TV that I've seen in a long, long time. I was kind of, you know, as, as much as I have been praising the show here, the, the pacing is so slow that I was kind of like forcing myself to keep going with it, uh, you know, around episode six, seven or something like that. And then when you got to, when I got to episode nine, it was like, holy shit, I'm so glad that I stuck with this and watched it because it is, <laughs> I mean, it's just like a powerhouse episode of TV. So 
yeah, the Underground Railroad, kind of a mixed bag review for me, I guess. Like, the, you know, the, the if you care a lot about uh, plotting and like um, moving from one beat to the next quickly and efficiently, maybe this isn't going to be the show for you. But if you are a big fan of Barry Jenkins and the way that he tells stories, this is, uh, I feel like, a must-watch thing, even though it's it's kind of tough to, to stomach at times. So um, that is streaming on Amazon Prime Video right now. Uh, yeah, Chris, like, especially in, in the current state where you, that you just laid out for me about what your life is like right now, (laughs) I don't think I can recommend you watch this right now, but definitely keep it in your, in your back pocket as something to watch, you know, in, in the future. So, um, yeah, I think, I think that's it. Uh, you have anything else, Chris? It just feels like we haven't podcasted together in a while. So do you have any, any other updates or any other things that you wanted to talk about or anything in the, in the movie news world that you wanted to comment on? Listeners, if you have a way for me to make money that doesn't require me to wake up at 4 a.m., please <laughs> write into Ben and let him know and he'll forward the email to me because Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm in a bad place, folks. Let me tell you, it stinks. So... <laughs> Have you considered uh, OnlyFans, Chris, or like uh, I have pictures thought about of your that. of your feet or something? It seems to be a way that people may. <laughs> I, I, I think we're gonna. I think that's next. That's my next money making scheme. <laughs> and I'll have. Uh... But yeah, All no, right. I uh, I'm always happy to come on the show. I wish I had more to say, but uh, yeah, that's that's all I got. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, that's going to do it for today's show. Uh, Thank you so much for listening, everyone. The Slash Film Show is published two times a week, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you could find on SlashFilm.com. I encourage everybody to subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. You can subscribe to our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes to do that. You can also send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at bpearson at SlashFilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code S-T-A-P-L-E, 2-0.